Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website at CompassionChurch.cc. Now here's this week's message. Let's turn in our, in our word. I like to always start out in the word because I believe in the word is the truth and the truth shall set you free. Amen. And if there's nothing else that I speak today, one thing is for sure that his word never returns empty and it always goes forth. So let's go to Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And if you do have your Bibles, please take those Bibles out. I love it when we use the word and when we have those with us, but it's also up on your screen. Those who are online with us can see it as well. It says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. Say, I am the Lord. You're not the Lord. I am the Lord. <laughs> and I will bring, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. Next verse 7, I will take you as my own people. Say own people. And I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Everyone say saved. Everyone say freed. Everyone say restored. Everyone say fulfilled. Come on, fulfilled. Hey, there we go. Wakey, wakey, exit. Amen? Now, that's a lovely catch line, right? Woo, compassion has a catch line. Saved, freed, restored, fulfilled. Woo, that's so cool, right? Where does that come from? This verse right here. It is biblical, folks. And it's the story of salvation. It's the story of discipleship. It's not just the tagline. It is a tagline so that you can remember it but it's actually biblical. And this month, we're going to go through the four cups, hence the name Cupology. Hence the name Cupology. Now, I'm full of funny tricks and illustrations this morning. I'm not a magician, okay? This is just for your visual learning, all right? So, this is what happened is that for 3,500 years, the Jewish people have celebrated the four cups or the four promises of God in the Passover. What do they do when the Jewish people celebrate the Passover? They drink from the four cups, all right? And this verse in Exodus is about the saved, freed, restored, and fulfilled. Amen? So in the first cup on the Passover cedar, it's a ritual feast that marks the beginning of the Jewish holiday of Passover. It's, the cedar is a ritual performed by a community or by multiple generations of families involving a retelling of the story of the liberation of the Israelites from slavery in ancient Egypt. This story is the book of Exodus or the Shemot in the Hebrew Bible. The cedar itself is based on the biblical verse commanding Jews to retell the story of the exodus from, Jesus, uh, from uh, Egypt. So, 
they would then take in this Passover celebration, they would take the first cup and they would pour their orange wine. It wasn't orange, it was red, but today we're going orange. Amen. And they would take that and on the first cup, they would, before they would drink that first cup, they would remember that they used to be slaves in Egypt. This is true. All right? They would take this, they would, they would, and they would remember that it was bitter. But then they would say, but God, but God, because of God and the blood of the lamb in the form of the cross, God's judgment passed over us when we were in slavery. But God saved us, and through that last plague, the enemy Pharaoh let us go. And they remember by drinking the first cup, they remember that God saved them. Hence, salvation, saved, right? Then they would take the second cup, and the second cup is the cup of freedom. And they would tell the story of how they would follow up the story of how the angel of death would pass over them because they had the blood on the doorpost, right? And Pharaoh let them go after those plagues. And they would celebrate the cup of freedom, the cup of freedom. And they would start talking about all that God did in the 40 years. They wandered around in the wilderness. And the first cup is I will bring you out from the yoke of the Egyptians and you'll no longer be a slave. But the second cup is I'm going to free you. God brought the Israelites out of Egypt in a day. But what happened? He couldn't get Egypt out of them for 40 years, right? So the next cup that we'll talk about is the cup of freedom. We'll talk about what it means to be free, right? Then they would take the third cup. And what do you think that cup represented? Restoration. Redemption. Amen? And the cup of re uh, restoration. And they would say God's original intent for us was the promised land. See, God wanted to get them into a true place of freedom. But much like 86% of Christians all around the world, we only want to stop at salvation. But there's so much more than just salvation. There's freedom, there's restoration, and then there's fulfillment in Christ. And some of us would rather walk around in the wilderness for 40 years instead of following and coming to a place of the original design. It said, I had formed you together in your mother's womb. Before you were ever put together, you had a purpose. And that's what restoration is about, Steve. And then the fourth cup is the cup of fulfillment. And in the cup of fulfillment, we're going to talk about going from being a person to becoming a people. We're going we're gonna to talk about why you've got to be part of a team. Why you were never meant to, in fulfillment, just to do it by yourself. Right? You were always meant to be a community, within a community, with a fam. So you're saying, that's great. That's Old Testament. Where is this in the New Testament? Let's look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. 
Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 19 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Say salvation. Salvation. Who? He has anointed who? Me. You. Right? You to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Say freedom. Freedom. And recovery of sight for the blind. Say restoration. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And they call that the year of fulfillment. Say fulfillment. So these next few weekends, we're going to walk through each one of these cups right here. Salvation, freedom, restoration, and fulfillment. Hence, the sermon title, Cup Apology. Make sense? That's the overview. And, and in these next few weekends, we're going to teach you through each one of these cups. Today, we're going to talk about the cup of salvation. Thank you. Someone's listening. Someone's comprehending. Good job, Vix. The cup of salvation. So, I want to start out with three things. There's three misconceptions of salvation today. Three misconceptions of salvation. And it's important, if we're going to get this, that we start with salvation because we want to end up living a life in fulfillment. Let's talk about salvation first. What's the number one misconception in the world today? Here it is. I'm a good person. I'm good. I give to the homeless fund. I eat all my beanies and weenies, right? I eat my, my dinner. I'm healthy. I'm good. I'm a good person. So therefore, because I'm good, I can get myself into heaven. What's the, what's the problem with that? You know, uh, I heard a story from Pastor Josh on this, and what he, what he said is he met this guy on the plane, and they were sitting down together, and they were talking about you know, whenever Pastor Josh, who's the founder of Hope Center Ministries and also Compassion Network, whenever he has the opportunity, he's telling someone the good news. He's talking about salvation to them. He's talking about how God can save you. And this guy he was talking with on the plane next to him, uh, he said, I'm, I'm a good person, so I'm going to get into heaven. And Josh said, oh, okay. He gave him a simple test, Yeah. Now, this is something that you need to take notes on, and you need to take it because you can use it. Here's the test. He, he asked the guy, he said, okay, you're a good person, right? Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you before? Done that? Yeah? Yeah? My wife's hairspray? Right? No, I'm just kidding. Have you ever taken something that didn't belong to you? What, what do you call that? A thief. Call that a thief, okay? Something that doesn't belong to you that you take is a thief. Number two, have you ever told a story or given false information, told a lie? Raise your hand if you've told a lie. Everyone in this place has told a lie, right? What does that make you? A liar, okay? So have you... Have you ever taken something that doesn't belong to you? Raise your hand. 
everyone in this place. Have you ever lusted after someone of the opposite sex? Woo, that guy looks good. That girl looks good, right? What does that make you according to the word of God? That makes you an adulterer. That makes you an adulterer, all right? This is the truth, folks. This is the truth, and it sounds really harsh, but we've got to understand this to know what salvation truly means. So by your, your very own admission, you're a thieving, lying adulterer. And I've got three hands up because I've lusted after someone I've stolen. When I was a kid, I stole from a petrol station. I stole this little army figure. And my dad, we were on the road. Okay, I stole that. Yep. I've lied, most certainly. And I've lusted after someone in my heart. These are, these are not good things. And you say, well, well that's biblical. Well, what about in the world? What happens if you steal and you're caught? What do they do, Nicola? Prison, right? They throw you, they throw you behind bars, yeah? What happens if you look upon another woman with lust? Say, how you doing, baby? How you doing? Right? I guarantee you if you did that in South Africa, the bloke that's sitting next to his girlfriend come and deck you in the pub. I promise you, we used to play it in my olden days. We used to get smashed and then go after the prettiest woman in the, in the bar, in the pub, and, and it would be the woman with the biggest bloke, right? And we would see who would get punched first, okay? True story. And what does it say in the Word? It says that those who have these things will not inherit, will not inherit God's kingdom. They will not go to God's kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 says, surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. What are you saying, Pastor Lem? What I'm saying is that if you're caught up in these things, listen to me. I love you. I love you. God loves you. But if you're caught up in these things, it's not good. It's not good for you. God doesn't want you to be caught up in these things. And if you practice evil, but yet you speak Christ, then you have to question this, your salvation. You have to question a few things in your life, in your heart. But you say, but, but I'm, I'm still a good, good person. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says, And the scriptures agree, for it is wit written, there is no one who always does what is right, not even one. Right? But, but I'm, I'm, I'm better than that other guy, right? We get in that trap of comparison. I'm, I'm, a, I'm much better than Pastor Dale, you know? We start comparing, right? And Paul says, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he says, don't compare yourselves amongst others. It's not wise. Comparing yourself to others will get you nowhere because this is the truth. The only thing that is good is God. The only definition of love is God. So we cannot say that we're good because we're simply not good. But who is good? 
God is good all the time. And the problem is when we compare, the only thing that we should be comparing ourselves to is God. Because when I compare myself to another person, right, it's not wise, the Bible says. It always leads us down to the, the path of vanity. James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For the one who attempts to keep all the law of Moses but fails in just one point, one point. So it's like, I follow the Ten Commandments, but you know that, that first one? I've, I've messed up on that first commandment, right? If you messed up on one, you messed up on them all. You might not be a thief, Steve, but if you've lusted, then you failed in them all. Amen? I'm not talking about thinking about thieving. I'm not talking about thinking about lusting. I'm talking about actually carrying out that sin, what we call sin, in the Word of God. In James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For the one who attempts to keep all of the law of Moses but fails in just one point has become guilty of breaking the law in every respect. That's number one misconception. I'm a good person. But you're not. The only thing that's good is God. Misconception number two. I was at church one Sunday on Easter or Christmas. The preacher asked me to raise my hand. I raised my hand. I said a prayer. I'm getting to heaven. Anyone been there? Done that? Got the t-shirt? Yeah? Me. Times. Probably 30. All right? I'm the first one to admit. I... When I was a kid, man, I would feel like conviction when I get to church. I'd say that prayer, and then by Friday evening, pop that dove in. Right? Then Sunday morning, yes, I'm, I'm going to heaven. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. He saved me. That Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames drama was brilliant. Oh, I'm going with the guy with the white robe and the purple sash. Yeah? We all been there. We've done about 10 times, right? Wow. So let's talk about that scripture right now. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. If you confess. First things first, in the original, in the Greek, if you confess, literally means you make a verbal covenant with. Now, we don't have covenants today, right? Because we've gone all crazy, right? We don't know what a covenant is. A Jewish person knows what a covenant means. How many of you know what a contract means here? Raise your hand. Yes. Yes, sir, I do. I paid him to fix the wall. It was a contract. And he gave me an invoice. Yeah. But he didn't fix that wall. So what did I do with the contract? I ripped it up, put it on the floor, and I peed on it. Right? A contract is something if the builder doesn't do the job, he ain't going to get paid for that job. And you better not give him the money before he gets the job done. Because I seen that. They take something that belongs, now they've broken the first one. Misconception number one, they're a thief, and they run away. Right? They run away with your money. 
I've, I've been there. I've done that, right? A contract is something that we can get out. But a covenant, a covenant is something much deeper. A covenant means that if it is broken, Steve, if you break that covenant, so shall it be that Steve would die. Now, this, this, this is, this is we, we have this in marriage. When we come and we say, yes, I do, and we, we say the vows, we're not contracting here in the biblical sense. If we're believers, we are entering into a blood covenant with that person. And, and we could get deeper in that, but we're not talking about marriage today. And there's kids here. So we're going to f- forget a little bit about that blood covenant, but th- it goes very deep into when you enter into a covenant, it is deeper. And what the Jewish people did is there were eight steps for a covenant to be made. You remember God sent the rainbow? What was all that about? God was making a covenant to his people saying, I will never do that. And what is one thing that God never does? Dale, he never breaks his promises, his covenant. It's against his very nature. Why did he send the rainbow? The rainbow was originally a promise to his people that I shall never flood the earth again. And my Lord, that's never come true and it won't come true because his promises are yes and amen. Amen? A covenant is a a promise, and in the eight steps, one of the steps that Jewish believers used to do, it sounds really hard, but in the Old Testament, they used to take a lamb, they used to slaughter that lamb, and they used to put the lamb, if if me and Steve were entering into a window-cleaning covenant, right, he would take his part of the lamb, right, and they would carry it, and they would literally walk in a figure eight. Why would they walk in a figure eight? Because the figure eight was infinity, right? To eternity and beyond. Yeah, Buzz Lightyear. The figure eight represented infinity. That's why it was in the figure eight. And they would walk, and they put this lamb on either side, true story, and they walk in this figure eight, and they would repeat this chant that said, so shall it be if I break my covenant that God should take me. And they would enter. Where did blood brothers come from? Is biblical. Blood brothers. I'll shed my blood. You shared your blood. Put them together. Now we're entering into the covenant. Right? Why did Jesus have to come? Because he was the unblemished lamb. The sacrifice that would take. Do you make sense? So if you confess, what you are saying is you are entering now into a covenant with Jesus Christ, with God. You're not, you're not doing a contract here. You're not saying, yeah, I'll raise my hand on Sunday, but then on Friday, right? (laughs) You see what I'm saying? But we get to church, yes, the pastor said confess, right? And I love it. I do it all the time. I'll do it today. I'll ask you to bow your heads. I'll ask you, do you need salvation? You will then confess to God, yes, I am a lying, thieving, blah, 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 right? God come into my heart, right? Second part is, what's the Bible saying? If you confess the terms of the verbal covenant, what's the terms of the covenant? The terms of the covenant is that God is Lord of your life. Not Papa, not Jumpa, the Lord God. What does that carry? That means 
He is the final authority in your life, right? Now, I need, I need a, someone to help me out here. Danny, who wants to help me out? Who wants to help me out? Sammy, go ahead and come up. Don't kick my backside. He, he's going to have to get saved, folks. All right, Sammy, go stand over there. Don't come near me. We're social distancing. All right, Sammy, <clears throat> take a seat. No, not that chair. Why are you sitting on that chair? You'll break this one, really. Will you break that one? Really? Stand up, Sammy. Why'd you sit in that chair? It looks more comfortable, huh? Really? Well, check this out. What do you think of that? Did it break? I, I know you're a, a few pounds lighter than me. Yeah, right? But the chair's holding me up. How come you chose that chair over this chair? It looked more sturdy, did it? It was plush and comfy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. You, you want to try this, do you? You sure? Oh, making it really hard. Whoa, two meters. Two meters. Okay, go over there. Go over there. Back up. Okay. Now, when he sits in this chair, clap for him. Sit, sit, sit. Way! Did that chair hold him up? Wow. It did, didn't it? Yeah? If we confess, if we make the covenant, and what is the terms of the covenant? That Jesus is Lord of our lives. The problem is, right, we want Jesus. Thanks, bud. You can get up. <laughs> it was coming with him. I mean, it was just like God, like, you know, sit in the small chair. He comes with you wherever you go. Yeah? Why did he sit in this chair, Steve? Because this chair looked good. It was comfy. Hmm. But sometimes when we pray that prayer, we, we're sitting in the comfy seat. God's my sugar daddy. Yeah? He makes everything comfortable for us. I'll pray to him, and he'll send me millions of dollars. That's misconception number three, is that we're saved to health, wealth, and prosperity. Now, I'm not talking about declaring and believing and having faith and putting in our finances and seeing God double those. I believe God does that. The problem is we start from, if I just raise my hand today, that for the rest of eternity... I, when I go to get that lottery ticket, my goodness, God's going to, he's going to open the windows of heaven, and he's going to pour out his blessings upon me, right? Because it looks comfy, right? Guess what, folks? When you make the Lord Jesus the king of your life, your life will not look like a bed of roses. Isn't that right, Dale? Certainly not when you're a pastor either. When you start getting to the church, man, those church ministers, they like make a lot of money. Oh, yeah? I don't make anything. I have to raise it. I have to raise all the money. I don't make anything, right? But we like that comfy chair. 
And this is why 86% of Christians, at least in America, do not get where God wants you to start from, where God wants you to be. You know, there's a story way back in the, in the slave trade era where there's this lady that was, that was pulled out onto the slave trade floor, and literally it was like, it was horrible. It's a true story, and she came, and like they would do, they would, they would turn her in front of people, and just horrible, 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 horrible. And, and then they would bid to the highest bidder. And this one guy that was standing back there, he would, he would say, me, I want to pay. And they said, how much? I will triple that amount to pay for that lady. He took that lady aside. He brought her clothes, took off her shackles, and he said to that lady, now you're free to go. The lady looked at him not knowing, what? You pay this surmountable amount for me. And yet you would say you're free to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you're free to go. And this lady would stand there and she, she's just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. This man has just paid everything to purchase me. And now he's letting me into a place of freedom. So she turns around to that man and she says, even though you've paid that full price, I want to serve you. For however long it takes, I want to serve you and your family for the rest of my life here on this earth. See, the same thing with God. When, when we say, Lord, you are the Lord of my life, what we're saying is we're saying God has the ultimate authority in our lives. Why do my kids call me daddy or father? Right? Part of that reason is because for those formative years, I have the authority in their life to tell them and to direct them in the best ways they should go. But here's the thing. When we pray that prayer, we think, ah, this chair. But folks, when we make God the Lord of our lives, it's not what we want, but it's about what he wants in our lives. And so sometimes what he wants is he wants us in this small chair right here. And when we do that, when we do that, you remember last weekend? These ladies here that shared their testimony, that's what they've done. They put God in their control seat, right? I would much rather have Jesus flying my plane than myself. Why? Because I'm a liar, I'm a thief, and I lust. But here's the kicker. When we do this, when we sit in this chair, what does that show the world? It shows the world that God can take you in this chair, in this chair, in this chair. And despite anything or everything that comes your way, it says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And he lifts you up to the table. And then he is Papa God. And then he is Papa God. But the misconception is he saved me for plushness, for comfortableness. Truthfully, yes, you will have an excitement when you, when you ask God to come save you. The Egyptians did. Oh, glory, we're going out from slavery. They had a celebration. 
We're finally being let free. We're no longer slaves to Egypt. Pharaoh has let us go. It says in Exodus that they rejoiced. They were happy. They celebrated. But then they started along the path, and they thought, oh, no, it's too hard. Moses is crazy. This leader is nuts. We can't follow this guy. Life is too hard. Ever been there? I've been there complaining, grumbling. When God has already given you your blessings, <laughs> be grateful, be thankful, be blessed. He is good, and only he alone is good. Do you, make, do you understand that? So what does this prayer actually mean? This prayer is making a verbal covenant that Jesus Christ can have the center, be the Lord, be the master in your life. And you are a slave to serving him. Not anyone else. You see... Sometimes when we go to our jobs, we think we're serving our master, we're serving our manager, we're serving our boss. No, it says do everything unto the Lord. Even when you're in that secular job, when you're in ministry, do it unto excellence, unto God, not unto fellow man. And there shall be your strength, there shall be your joy, there shall be your gratefulness and blessing. Amen? I think there's some people in this room that would think, that they were saved, but they're not really sure. Because they thought when, when the pastor said, raise your hand and confess Jesus is Lord, they really didn't know what that meant. That meant now, it ain't up to you, buddy, buddy. It ain't up to you, it's up to God. And when we turn it over to God, he doesn't just save us. He takes us to a place of freedom. He takes us to a place of restoration. And he takes us to a place of so it's not just some tagline. You're asking, what does the discipleship process in compassion look like? Um, is it uh, Calvinist or is it Armenianist or um, is it about the circumference of the figure of X, Y, Z? Listen, people, it's simple. Salvation, freedom, restoration, fulfillment. It's not a tagline. It's a biblical thing. It is a biblical thing. We put it in a tagline because our finite minds, we don't know what salvation is. We don't really know what freedom means. We don't know what it means to be free because we've never let God step us into that place of freedom. Remember, it took 40 years for Egypt to come out of those people. Amen? Dale's going to come up. And we're going to go into a time of response time. We're going to sing. We're going to take communion together. But there's, there's one more story, and Pastor Josh tells this story, so I got it from him. In this story, there's, you can go ahead and start playing. Come on up. So, in this story, there's a monkey in India. Little vervet monkeys, yeah? And, uh, these people will capture the monkey, okay? They will take the monkey, and how they capture the monkey is there's a box, a wooden box with a hole in it, and they'll put rotten bananas, bananas, in that box, yeah? And this monkey will sniff it. Ooh, I'm going to take something that doesn't belong to me. 
doesn't really talk like that. His name is Jabu. And he sniffed that rotten banana. Ooh, that looks really attractive because it smells good, right? It's sort of like when I'm walking past a chocolate cake or donut. Ooh, right? And this monkey, what does this monkey do? It goes and it runs for that box and it puts its hand in that box and it grabs that banana. But the hole is only big enough for the monkey's hand to fit through that hole. When the monkey captures that rotten banana, it goes to yank its hand out. What happens? Because the monkey will not let go of that rotten banana, it cannot free its hand. So literally, for 24 hours to two days until the poachers come get that monkey, that monkey is holding on to a rotten banana and will not let it go. I will not let this go. Right? Oftentimes, it's not the three things, but it's the one thing in our life. It's that one dirty, rotten, banana, stinking sin in our lives that we will not let go. I want it. I want it. I want it. But it stinks. It's rotten. It's rotten. But it looks so appealing. It looks so nice. It looks like this chair. God will be okay with it. It's just one sin. It's just one thing. And what happens is, as the monkey's trying to pull its arm like that, the poacher comes. Kids, close your ears. The poacher comes. And the monkey will not let go of that rotten banana. And what does the poacher do? He doesn't care about the monkey. Let's just be honest. Satan does not care about you. Satan does not care about you. It says in Scripture that he cometh only to steal, kill, and destroy. And when that poacher comes, and that monkey's yanking on that rotten banana, the poacher pulls out his machete and chops the monkey's hand clean off. You can open their ears. This is this is true story. This is what they do in parts of the world. Here's the point to that story is that we want to hold on to rotten bananas in our lives. We just, we feel really comfortable at salvation and we talk about fulfillment all the time in church. Oh, glory. God's been so good to me. Hallelujah. That Ferrari, that jet he provided. Right? Yeah, I, I do it. And there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. But if we start there, we don't make him Lord. If we don't make him Lord of our life, then he is not Lord at all. Because in order to get us from salvation, which is the first step to fulfillment, there are some things that you got to let go of. Because you got to let go of them cuz why you gotta let go of them cuz cuz cousin why cuz God don't want you to stay in drive mode right here he wants to start here but he wants to take you into turbo mode 
You ever, you ever felt turbo mode kick in? It makes that noise. But there's some rotten bananas that we just won't let go of. There's some misconceptions that we won't let go of. It says if you will make a verbal covenant, if you will, if you will be serious, if you will make a verbal covenant in your life, believe it in your heart. God just wants you to let go. I think right now, that's exactly what we need to do. Bow your heads. We're going to do some self-reflection in this response time before we go into communion. Repeat this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, say it, Lord God, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart I, I believe in my heart that there's some things some rotten things in my life speak it speak it speak it forth don't be afraid today no one's watching you it's just you and the Lord together Lord please forgive me I am not good enough, but God, I believe you are. Today, today, in the beginning of October, I release the rotten bananas in my life. Now, with your head closed, stretch out your right hand like this. This is going to be a declarative act. Everyone in this place, everyone has some stinking, rotten bananas. Every one of us, I don't care who you are. If you come to church 50 times, it doesn't matter. Some of us have stinking, rotten bananas. The good news is, today we're letting them go. Put your hand out like this and let go of that banana. Let go of that rottenness in your life. Lord, Lord, say it, Lord. Take this. Take this. Take this. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. We're so glad you joined us today. For more information, including service times and locations, please visit our website at CompassionChurch.cc. Now here's this week's message. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information, please visit our website at CompassionChurch.cc.